it was me proving to them like how much I wanted to get into there. And I applied to a couple of other Ivy League programs, such as Brown, Yale, Dartmouth, Columbia at the time, only got accepted by two of them. Obviously, Harvard being the best, choosing Harvard. And then I guess the rest is kind of history. But I, I knew that even though it was, it is still a, you know, a, a, a fantastic opportunity in my life, I know that swimming has always been central for me. And you know, put myself in a position to hopefully do something special for, you know, my country, myself, my family. Good morning, good night, welcome wherever you are watching today's social convos. We want to wish you a very, very pleasant day, morning, evening, or midnight. I'm Shaluk van Charantam. I'm here together with Diego Amarali, and we have a brand new social convos episode for you today with a very, very special guest. But Diego, I guess you will have the honor to introduce him for uh, us tonight. Sure. Uh, before I go over to that, I want to do a quick shout out to you because uh, I saw this yesterday. You are speaking at the Social Media Day Summit 2021 next month. And we announced this, I think, at last episode with James Tucker. So it was kind of cool to see, you know, one of our hosts, you, being a speaker at this international summit, along with two of our guests, Doreen and James. So it's pretty cool that you guys are part of this. But Without further ado, just a shout out for that. It's free, so guys, sign up for that to see Shanluk and two of our guests who've been here on the show already, uh, all about social media day. Uh, <laughs> just gonna jump into the comments because <laughs> there's some fun comments. First of all, hi to Naomi and Confos for the win. Thank you, Stephanie. Gregory is always our sound and video check guy, and he's also noting that you are glowing. Something is different. <laughs> uh, I forgot to put on my glasses. That's probably it. Yeah, without further ado, we're here to talk, have a chill conversation with uh, a very peculiar person, a very, I guess, national figure that was actually, yeah, by accident. But welcome, Renzo. A quick brief introduction to Renzo. He is a our Sranang Olympian. He's an Olympic swimmer and he's currently training for the Tokyo, well, is it still going to be 2020, 21 Olympics? But he holds the record for the 50 meter and 100 meter freestyle in Suriname and the 50 meter butterfly. So there's a lot of, I guess, pressure on him, but he's, he's we'll, we'll dive shortly into that. But I've met Renzo, like, I think uh, we briefly talked about this right before we went on six years ago, 2015, end of 2015. And just when he was getting into the scene, you know, he won Sportsman of the Year back then. And the way I met him was actually for a photo shoot. I was doing a photo shoot uh, for him and I still have, I, I just found those photos. Uh, it was at Marriott there and that's where we met. And so it's kind of funny how, you know, six years later, here we are again uh, in a different setting. But with that being said, Renzo, welcome to Social Compost. We want to hear more about you, your story these past six years, what you've been through. So without further ado, welcome. Well, good evening. Thank you for having me, Diego and Jean. I've, I've been talking to you guys for the past couple of, couple of weeks or days uh, a bit more frequently. Huh? Um, 
happy to yeah, be here. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm, a big fan of, I'm a big fan of the show. And, uh, you know, honored, honored to be here. Uh, thank you for the nice words, Diego. Full circle, I'll be back in 2015, you know, it was, it was essentially, you know, right up, I guess it was, it was leading into the Olympics of 2016. We met when I was basically a nobody here in Suriname. Just a, a few, a couple of people within the sporting scene had like knew my name within Suriname. And then now it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of blew up since then. Um, been able to secure some some relatively good corporate sponsorships through Tailor go to and you know it's it's you know the rest is kind of history now. Yeah, happy to have you. And yeah, you're on billboards everywhere for the people that actually go outside. And funny thing is, I didn't even realize on Chandu's other podcast, the Lucky D show, where he talk about sports and everything. I literally saw you guys on last Thursday and. We didn't even cross check with each other and that we had you booked for social convos the, the following week was kind of, you know, perfectly aligned with your availability and everything. So that's really cool. Perfect, perfect. I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to jinx it. I mean, so I think that should, people should understand that Renzo has a very busy schedule. And I mean, you're first of all, you're training for the Olympics. So it's kind of a, a lot of pressure. You already gave him the pressure, like saying like, yeah, but you're a record holder, so he has to perform. So I really didn't want to jinx anything. I just said like, okay, I'm not going to mention anything to Diego or to, or to Dion. Let's let's just have him, have him on twice that he gets enough exposure that we have enough people powering him through, throughout the Olympics because I remember the 2016 Olympics and it's true I think so in 2015 I think 2016 was a very big year because a lot of events leading up to the Olympics uh, you broke records you were on your A game and that also kind of brought of course a lot of spotlight on you because people were expecting, of course. And then, of course, the first round, you graced through it. Everybody was like, yeah, he's passed the first round. He's going to win. He's going to go in the semifinals. He's going to go in the finals. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty crazy year. I, I would say that, you know, if, if, if we're talking about pressure and, and me being, uh, I, I guess, the, the national record holder, I've, I've been holding those records since 2013 probably 2012 so it's, it's it's been a long time now for me so I, it's been a you know pressure is a because it's, it's a, a bit of a relative term for me at the moment but I, I do get the position that i'm in especially since you know certain is only sending about like maybe three to four athletes to the olympics this year and basically every four years we we never send a big delegation so the i guess the, the magnifying glass is just 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 much bigger for the few athletes going into those games so it's it's it's, it's been a very it's, it's been a great adventure i would say a lot of learning of oneself i would say other than my formal education um, in economics i would say swimming has been you know it's, it's basically the staple of my you know education of oneself and it's 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 taught me it's taught me a lot about me, you know, dealing with, I, I guess, life's life, life's challenges as a as, as a, a young, very ambitious person from Suriname, a country that basically no one knows of. You know, when you're when you're somewhere abroad, being from a quite quite a small population where a lot of it is expected of you, and you actually don't have a lot to work with once once you get once you get to that stage and that, that next level. Quickly want to uh, jump into that. You talk about education, but we'll go into the formal education bit a bit later. But 
you talking about you know swimming as being part of that education growing up can you talk to us is there one thing in particular that comes to mind that you experience with this you know lack of resource limited resources here that you would be able to translate into a lesson for someone in your position like five six years ago well it's well i've this i've Due to this whole, I've, I've been in Suriname training for the past year, and I've, I've been out of the country for about six to seven years now. And I guess the, the, the biggest, I mean, I was some, sometime last year, I was on the, on, the, on the verge of retiring, basically, just, just from the sport I had. I had mapped out financially exactly how much quote unquote I would be spending heading into the Olympics. Right after right after you know the games would finish in August, I would go back to school in September or late August. Everything was you know, you you, you map out everything financially, you know, no quite meticulously, and then you know the pandemic hits and then you have to come back and then you know resources get a bit more scarce. So I think just having to constantly just being here in Suriname, having to having to to go through the emotions and 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 letting letting things just letting things happen, uh, and basically just having to to face my to face the demons within me constantly that that basically were telling me to quit and and, and trying to really grit through training here in Suriname facilities that are okay but not you know what i was what, what i would be used to or which is conducive to to to, to competing at a very high level it, it's been it's been a tough road but right now i'm i, I feel like i'm in a good position I, I mean i always knew that my my career would not end after these olympics right i was always aiming for Paris 2024 and and hopefully you know los angeles 2028 that, that might sound like it's 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 you know six seven eight years from now but you know, for for me i mean my day starts at 6 a.m and i literally just got out of practice i'm trying to trying to eat a banana here trying to gulp <laughs> on a protein shake so it's you know my days are very hectic and time time flies so I, I do want to jump into that, basically also because the comment section is kind of asking for it. So Gregory, I didn't go into the properly appreciated. Diego started it, so ha, got you there. But Renzo, you got some shout outs from Naomi. Hope you're doing well. Also, Rowan is joining in as well tonight. And I guess Dion also jumped in. But there, there are two questions. So Renzo, do you want to start with a more serious one or do you want to go about a little bit more of a fun one? Just you, you go ahead. This is your show, dude. Okay. Okay. I'm going to ask this question now because otherwise it's, it's going to move away. So there are some people that want to know, is it, be, is it weird being an underwear model? <laughs> so how, I mean, Diego, Diego shared the photo, just some context. I don't know if Diego wants to pull up the photo that he shared in the group, but basically he showed kind of a model-esque picture. And of course, because of your frame, you're a professional athlete, so you have the body for it. So you get asked a lot to do photo shoots, and you're a swimmer. So basically, you sport, you do sports, and like in, in underwear. Just take it all the time. Just say, just say how it. <laughs> take it all the time. So, so how how is that for you? Is it something like you're okay with, or you actually enjoy doing, or see potential like after swimming, or having a lot a lot of swimmers have to do something on the side to generate extra extra income? 
is a Calvin Klein commercial with Red Renzo also in the mix in the future? I mean, be sure to you know email Calvin Klein for me. I don't have contact with with, with those people, but I, would, I mean, I guess I would love to, right? But not really. You know, I guess this physique just comes with 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 the job, right? If I, I mean, just I I, I make about. I train about you know four to five hours a day uh, between recovery and then we'll do a couple of massages. So it's it's not weird. I I, I guess I I knew this would eventually happen just because it's it, in Suriname. You know you, you don't you don't really see dudes walking around in in, in speedos. If, if anything, it's it's a little it's a little frowned upon here to do things like that and just to to, to hang out in small suits and and underwear. But it's not underwear. It's it's a swimsuit. But I, I don't mind it. It's I guess on a lower level maybe it's an issue. I, I can imagine. I don't know if you ever if you remember from your teenage years that there was a guy who had to swim that was like, I'm not getting into a speedo. Did that happen in the in the past? I, mean, I, I got I got actually I got quite a bit you know being in in primary school here in, in Suriname people are, they, they they call those I mean it's it's quite a Dutch one they call them like balaknapers and you know those things do make you a little self-conscious and it, it definitely I definitely was not the cool kid swimming right all the cool dudes were playing soccer basketball or tennis something like that and, I was just the weird guy swimming, I guess, just the odd man out always. Getting in, getting into school, smelling like chlorine, very ashy, just skinny. So it, 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 it's kind of just what it is, right? And I guess once I got a bit older and, and, and put on a bit muscle, a bit more muscle, it, I guess it just looked a little better, and people just wanted to. So the more serious question, I mean, you've trained a lot outside of Suriname. Basically, it's it's part of the training process. You have also done uh, competitive swimming in, in almost every continent in the world. And there is a question here by Gregory as well, which I find fascinating. And I think it's good for people to have an understanding of the difference between swimming in Suriname, like on a local level, becoming the national champion and on a world elite level. And it's kind of related to this question. What's the difference between a top 10 swimmer and a top 100 swimmer? Is it more physical strength and stamina or is it more mental drive discipline or probably a combination? I think it's a, it's definitely a combination of them both. I I expect my, I would say my, my, my greatest Right now, I would I would be classified within being within the the sub top on the world, almost basically the the top twenty top thirty swimmers in the world at the twenty nineteen World Championships. I again, missed the semifinals by you know just literally a tenth of a second. And I guess it's 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 a combination of both strength. I am now only you know going towards we call it within the, the sport of swimming. I, I would say grown man strength. I'm heading towards that. I'm 25 now. You know, most of the top elite level swimmers, they're all, you know, with, with within their, you know, between 25 and 35. Anthony Irvin, the, the Olympic champion in 2016, won the games at 38. So it's or 36 years old. So you, you, you have to, I guess, just you have to be used to that moment. Um, when the lights are on. I think me being exposed to more elite level competition is, has, has only been, you know, has, has only been 
beneficial and you know develop my developing my career towards towards being a better athlete and competitor towards the end so i think it's a combination of both i'm just interested diego if i may of course i i want to kind of have like a trajectory so let's start from junior level let's f make it easy let's do the 50 meter freestyle and just in seconds to, to give us an idea, like when the junior championships, this is kind of the record. And then when you get into the Caribbean or the Pan Am Games, this is kind of the record. And then you get into the world or the Olympics, then the top 10 is this. And then the, the, the winner is this amount of seconds. And I guess you have to dial it down in milliseconds for us to, to have an idea of what, what time differences we are talking about. So... So I actually swam at the Junior World Championships in Dubai in 2013, where I qualified for that, that final of the 53. So at, at, at one point in time in 2013, I was one of the top eight fastest juniors in the world in the 50 freestyle. And that's coming from Suriname. And I, you know, I, I think the winning time was 22. 22.3 seconds. In that final, I went 22.7. The Olympic medal, I would say in 2016, is anywhere between 21.4 21 seconds and 21.2. So almost a full second quicker, I would say. I'm, I'm not sure how to exactly explain how, how big of a difference just a second is, but from twenty eight, from twenty thirteen to twenty to, to actually twenty eighteen, when I swam twenty nineteen, when I swam my best time, I've I've only dropped about six tenths of a second. So I'm, I'm about at twenty two point one right now. So it, it's actually a little bit faster, I guess, it's like a second and a half almost quicker. But there, there it kind of is for you. So it's it's almost a, it's almost a full body length, I would say, if if, if you would be racing. Would you say swimmers and I guess athletes in general have become faster over the years? If, if we look at history records from, you know, the nineties, the twenties. Because obviously, yeah, definitely. Because everything has, you know, sports science, sports medicine, sports recovery, everything has been evolving, right? There, there, there are some other methods of, of training at the moment. And, you know, people have just been there's just more talent there's just more knowledge about the sport there's there's more there's more of everything um, so could you quickly before we move on to the next topic on the topic of you know science and uh, medicine recovery could you talk to us a bit about the importance of that in your current stage and you know uh, to you know excel to what you've done previously how does that help well it's I wouldn't say it's everything. Usually, obviously, it, it all comes down to the amount of work you put into actually, actually racing um, and, and training. And you know, you know, there's a common saying that champions or, or apps are made in the kitchen and not in the gym. It's 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 yes and no. Definitely, I, I guess with with competing at a high level, but definitely if you if you if, if you're seeking longevity within the sport, especially a sport like swimming, in which, you know, it's not as harsh on your body as say something like American football or or, or you know soccer as per se. It's you know you're you're constantly in an element of, of, of zero gravity. Obviously we we pump quite hard in the gym 
you know, we, and, and, and that's where somewhat of, not somewhat, a lot of, you know, supplements and I, I guess sports recovery, ice baths, Normatec. I just got a Normatec machine and that's, you know, air, that's actually like compression on your legs, you know, gets you a bit fresher for the next session. Um, so everything, it's, it's, it's really the small things you do over a prolonged period of time. Sleep is a big thing, obviously, and in, in terms of recovery, there's, there's there's no better recovery actually than sleep. Um, just drinking a ton of water. I <laughs> don't even want to get into all of the supplements that I you know, literally have to take on a daily basis. Just 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 vitamins and literally everything. Just to, to keep yourself going and to actually just perform at this level on a on a constant, you know, constantly. So it's interesting. I I almost wanted to jump into the sleep part because of the story of the first Olympian from Suriname, but we're not going to do that because it's, it's kind of a negative connotation, but for those who are interested, you can look it up the first, what happened to the first Olympian from Suriname at the Olympic games. And it was actually featured in a Seinfeld episode. So that's a quite tidbit, but we won't jump into that. Yeah. Because it's kind of a, it's kind of a, not necessarily negative story, but it is something that that's, it's, not has not had enough spotlight but i think for us it's more interesting because you made a decision you made a decision to decide that you would swim for suriname and you would always swim for suriname maybe you can enlighten us a little bit about this decision because there's a lot of pride in representing your country but like you mentioned there's also a lot of challenges now we've seen other swimmers even recently other swimmers that on, on a junior level were still considered Suriname swimmers, but in the end decided to swim for different countries, for other countries than Suriname. How difficult of a decision was it for you to make, to say like, no matter what, I'll always represent Suriname. And what what are the biggest challenges that you have to overcome when you make that decision? Well, you have to, you have to definitely be, you have to definitely be comfortable with the fact that you, you should not, expect to be appreciated right for, for for what for what you actually do and the amount of of, of time consuming efforts you you constantly put into it and you i don't want to sound like a debbie downer or anything or, or be, be negative but there's it's just the, well you you made the choice to represent you uh, to represent Suriname. so that also that already means a lot i mean i've always decided Right now, I'm leading into an Olympic Games that has been, you know, incredibly challenging. And I've been, you know, constantly trying to just, you know, be, be more focused on the positive things happening within my, within my swimming career. You know, there's a lot of, you know, we all know what happened a couple of months ago. We have, we had one of, you know, we have one of our athletes come out on a, with a Facebook message that actually just literally exploded. And I would say what, what happened immediately after is, you know, our sports policymakers, they, they, they came up with a lot of, you know, it was basically a lot of talk on what they're going to be, you know, what they're going to do different for us. And we expected a lot and, you know, time and time again, it, it just proved, proved to be just talk, right? So I think that's what you can expect from Suriname, right? Being a Surinamese, Surinamese professional athlete is, is, is a lot of talk. But then again, I am, I am in that position in which I am, 
representing a company like Taylor Sewer as a brand ambassador or go-to energy, or basically starts only uh, as, as another brand ambassador. And I've been somewhat trying to pave the way for the, 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 the following athlete, right? The next athlete. And because we haven't had basically a, you know, for, for I would say extended period of times, it, it's now been about two years with, that I've been with, with both companies, or actually, actually a year with, with GoToEnergy, two years with Taylor Sewer. And it's, it's been a lot of molding. It's, it's, you know, they also haven't ever worked with professional athletes. So they actually basically don't know what to do with me, except for, you know, some, sometimes just slap me on a billboard in my, in my swimsuit and let's, let's just see how the country will react to that. Right. So we've, you know, we, no, uh, there's, there's, I mean, there's a question that I, I would love to ask, which is, I mean, last Olympics, Jurgen Tema was a sprinter, a hundred meter sprinter. He ended up in, in the same heat with, with Usain Bolt. So he can actually say that he ran during the Olympics alongside Usain Bolt. And he, if he had run his personal best, he would have actually qualified for the next round, which would be awesome that you could say, I was in a heat with Usain Bolt and I qualified for the next round. Unfortunately, it didn't go that way. And a lot of people didn't even know Jurgen at the time. They were like, okay, who is he? He's cool, like another Surinamese person. Have you talked with him and Sunaina about their experience in the US? And was the college experience like going four years for college and becoming like a college athlete, student athlete, was that ever in the realm of possibilities? Did you, was that part of your... your... So just two things. I honestly believe at the Olympics times, times and your personal best, all of that goes out the window, right? It's it, literally no one cares at that Okay. Point. If you... The, the most important thing is qualifying for either the semifinal or the final, right? I missed the semifinal in 2016 by a tenth of a second. And that hurt, obviously. Same thing with the, the world championships in 2019. And I know I'll, I'll get there at some point, being in a semifinal, being able to fight for a spot in the top eight, and then, I guess, eventually a medal. But all of that goes out the window uh, once you're at the Olympic Games. Or at, at least for me, I, I could literally care less on how fast you are that day. If, if you're in the final, you're in the final, right? I guess moving on to my, my collegiate career, I, I, I haven't really spoken to those guys, but I, I, I chose a different approach. I, I did swim in college on, under Auburn University and then Harvard University training with those teams. And then I guess prior to that, after that with, with Virginia Tech and Sergio Lopez, but I, I chose not to not to invest everything I had, especially as a, as a Surinamese athlete in collegiate Suriname, because literally what it means, and I think a, a, a big part of my longevity within the sport and why I'm still swimming is because I did not choose to swim for a college team, because it means that for four years while you're, you're competing in college, you cannot, they say you get a free education, right? From, 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 from that in return, but in those four years, basically means you're not getting paid. Even though that might make sense for an American athlete, and a lot of people were, were actually frowning upon me, like why I made that choice to go pro that early. But, but it, it literally was for me that how, how am I going to be able to sustain myself in the US without being able to be actually paid from Suriname? Because, because that would actually be illegal. And there are ways around the system in which you can, you know, try and get money 
while you're a, a collegiate athlete, but it was really simple for me. I wanted a, a very long career and not a very short, short thing that would, you know, literally, literally four years of collegiate swimming almost sucks everything out of you, right? Um, as a, especially coming from where I came from here in Suriname, swimming maybe three, four thousand, three, four thousand meters a day, and then going to a collegiate program and then suddenly swimming six, seven, eight kilometers a day. And that, that would have killed me, I believed at that point, right? So that's why I chose to go pro and then kind of roll the dice on myself, being able to secure corporate sponsors earlier on, being able to actually receive money from back home and sustain myself as a professional and then do my education on my own terms. Because I, I knew, Lord, I knew that going into, go, moving to the U.S. in 20, I guess it was 2014, I, I spoke English, but not a lot of it, right? It, it's, my, my SAT scores were trash. And then actually being in the U.S., training with that Auburn University team, gave me the opportunity to really focus in on the, the things that were important at that time. My SAT math, my SAT English, and then applying towards schools and educations that, that I wanted to after that. Uh, and not necessarily anything based or driven around swimming, if that answers the question. Could you talk to us about, aside from the swimming side, your college experience, how you combine that? Because you're, you're doing economics. And tell us the story of Harvard, because Harvard is yeah, the world's, yeah, yeah it's, it's one of the world's top, top universities, along with Stanford, Caltech, all, all those big boys. And one does not simply get into Harvard. So tell us about that journey from Auburn, your college swimming degree, and ending up in Harvard. What the pedigree like there? So it's, I mean, I, I can tell you it was never my dream to go to a school like that. Right, you, I, just being from Suriname, I guess you, you kind of see, you kind of see Harvard University in movies. You, you see that that's that stuff online, but not. It wasn't up until I actually was swimming at Auburn that I basically I wasn't going to school. I literally was just literally focused on my my English SAT and my my English, I, I guess my SAT math and. While within that year in 2014, I retook the SAT close to 11 to 12 times. And then with the combined score, I had previously enrolled in the, the Harvard Extension School. And then just being just, just going through, through, through the motions of doing, it's, 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 it's pretty technical. You have to complete Expo 15 to basically prove, prove your English proficiency and do another tests and then get a couple of credits. So it was basically a back, I wouldn't even call it a backdoor into Harvard, but it's, it's, it, it was, it was really a, a, a struggle of literally having to constantly prove your, it was me proving to them like how much I wanted to get into there. And I, and I applied to, to, to a couple of other Ivy League programs, such as Brown, Yale, Dartmouth, Columbia at the time, only got accepted by two of them, obviously Harvard being the best, choosing Harvard. And then I guess the rest is kind of history, but I, I knew that even though it was, it is still an, you know, a, a, a fantastic opportunity in my life. I know that swimming has always been central for me. And, and they understood that and, and always gave me the lead, the leeway and the, the, the space to, to focus on that because I, 
you can always educate yourself, right? And, and the education and that school will always be there, but I really only have a, a, a small, I would say small space and time and space that I, I could be a professional athlete from Suriname and, you know, put myself in a position to hopefully do something special for, you know, my country, myself, my family. And, you know, I'm, I'm giving myself that room. It was, you know, supposed, I was supposed to go back to school last year, right after the Olympics. The Olympics got pushed this year. Last year, it's about to happen, hopefully. And, you know, I guess we'll just see what, what happens after that. I've been, I've really been taking things one step at a time. I've been, I've been trying to give myself anxiety on my, my life's trajectory. As long as I believe that if, if my first love stays safe and I'm, I'm committed to the game of swimming, you know, things will be a-okay. I want to combine that with what you said earlier in the conversation when you had planned out the Olympics meticulously with the, the finances, the budget, and you're doing economics in Harvard. So did that add or help in that, you know, planning phase? Like, is there a particular reason that you decided professionally, aside from uh, being an athlete, to go the economics finance route? Absolutely. Well, I, I always knew just moving before... Before I moved to the U.S., just to backtrack a little bit, I, al I already knew exactly what I wanted to do when I was going to get there. It wasn't me getting going there and then figuring out what I, you know, what I like or what I, what I don't like. And even if once I was in the, the the motion of doing something, I even if I didn't like it, I would I would still commit to, to finishing it, right? And I always was. It was actually my dad who, who always, he was, he was from a young age, just like, dude, you should go in investment banking. You should, you should do private equity. And he's like sending me these links of things I like have actually zero interest in, right? He's like, follow the money and you should go and do this. You'll be in a, you'll, you'll be meeting these people. You'll be in, you know, you'll be in a, in a, in a, in a very, I guess, privileged position of, of, of being able to, to meet a lot of, you know, very high net worth individuals. And then it would be a, it would be a, a damn shame if I did not, you know, I guess, grab the, grab the bull by the horns and, and run with it. Right. And, and that's actually just, just what I did. Like I chose that, that finance route, chose to do economics. And then, you know, here we are a couple of years later and we're doing well. It's have you, have you been more open-minded to the links that he was sending you? Because I, it's, it sounds very familiar, actually. <laughs> I think both Diego, both Diego and I have very persistent dads who kind of have, have been through, through a lot and have a very clear view on how they believe the world is. And I think for you, like, are you more open-minded to the links that he sends? Does he send the same links now? Has it changed a little bit? No, it's it's only gone progressively worse. My dad actually sent me links. <laughs> like my dad is sending me links on, on on Bitcoin, on financial technology. He's like, dude, this company you're running, Kaiser Capital, you should really get into cryptocurrencies. He's like all about cryptocurrencies, right? It's actually driving me crazy. And obviously, he, I know he's onto something because I guess our dads, our, our, my my I, my dad for sure is is living his. I guess the life that he couldn't, I guess the, the opportunities that he couldn't have when he was my age, he's, he's somewhat vicariously living those through me, right? And 
I appreciate that because I, I, I know I, I love my dad. My dad loves me. And I know he just wants the best. And he knows how much swimming means to me. And he isn't at all, you know, trying to, you know, he's just trying to keep me on track. And, and I appreciate that. So I let him send his links. And I kind of do what, kind of pick and choose what I, what I like and what I choose to run. So. On the flip side, if you have this profession and meeting high net individuals, being in those privileged circles, being in a position to sustain yourself financially as well, and we all know how difficult it is for athletes to, you know, get that financial backing from sponsor from everything. But you positioned yourself, thanks to your dad as well, in a position to prolonging for 2024, 20, 2028, two Olympics further to be able to, you know, yeah, do so, that yourself, I guess. Absolutely. So I, I would say, obviously, like the, my corporate sponsors, if, if you're competing at the level that I'm in right now, especially with swimming and all the traveling that you have to do, thank God for this pandemic, actually, um, that I get to save on money and not travel as much but a lot of a lot of the i guess the finances have have first off my mom is my mom has been awesome right also just that's not not just my dad but my mom has been especially before i made any money and when i was just literally broke in college it was really my mom keeping me afloat and then as the years progressed me being in that position to actually leverage my net worth my network it's been you know, that's been, I, I guess, a, a core staple of my, you know, sustaining my, my swimming career. And I, I believe that, you know, making a ton of money is important. But right now, I'm actually just making that money to, to feed into swimming, to prolong my career as a professional athlete. Because more than anything, this, you know, this, this persona of, of, of being this, this athlete from Suriname, a small country, is, is more of a, it's more of a platform to, Basically, it's Suriname, especially get into wherever you want. There is, there's literally no place I believe I could walk into in Suriname where people, you know, won't somewhat recognize me or, or, or give me a callback. And eventually, in especially within a small business community like this, that is all you could really hope for if you're trying to make a name for yourself and people taking you seriously. And I think that's what swimming has given me. I think that. As, as one of the most important aspects. It's a platform. I, I want to quickly jump in because, Diego, I think we have a couple of things to do. First of all, we have to make a Renzo Chonayu NFT. It just has to be made. We might have to call in some favors from others to create a whole series. Renzo, then, of course, the question comes, would you mind swimming in a swimsuit which has a dog on it? Because we, we can't get the Doge community. Just just kidding. But but the real question for me is if we yeah, we're we're gonna have Dogecoin. The Dogecoin community has already sponsored the Jamaican bobsleigh team to the Winter Olympics. They've sponsored a NASCAR driver. So why wouldn't they sponsor a swimmer from Suriname? I mean, there there are some some ways to do it. You know, but I'm, yeah, I'm all about that decentralized yeah. finance. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. No, but but in, in, in the seriousness, of course, it's it's kind of a, a joke. The NFT is no joke, by the way. I see Tefan is already scratching his head to making an NFT, a swimming NFT. But um, you actually already said, I want to do at least four Olympic Games. So you, this is going to be the second one. And you feel like if, if, you, if you prolong your career good enough, long enough, you'll be able to get to four Olympic Games. 
And then, of course, the question is on the same at the same time, you're already kind of making a trajectory for yourself. You do want to stay in swimming. Of course, you're now also getting into investing. Might be even a broadcasting career or something, a career that's related to swimming. How much time do you spend on looking at your career trajectory and looking for options after your quick swimming career is done? And how much time goes into actually the, the swimming career? Actually swimming, yeah, that's a very good question. Well, it all depends. It really all depends on, first off, I'm always looking for a, another investment opportunity, right? I, I think that's a big part of my of what my company does, Kaiser Capital. I'm sure we'll get into to that in, in a bit, but always looking for that that next opportunity to, to execute upon, um, especially in Suriname, the Caribbean. I believe, obviously, Guyana, we're, we're all in Suriname, we're, we're sleeping on Guyana and what's happening there but it's it, it depends on where i am usually with you know within the year i i thankfully have a, a very 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 great team here in Suriname with 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 guys like Vijay Durga and Daksilahi Box here that have been you know a big part of my supporting cast Joel Tersol my mom as as a as a you know as as, as just a a business mind here in terms of you know advising me on, on what my next step should be and Right now, I'm training for the Olympic Games, right? And where you know, I my, my day starts at six a.m., six or five a.m. Like I do emails, work in the morning. I have a prolonged breakfast that's like two to three hours uh, of just a couple small meals. I do emails within that that workspace. I train at nine thirty. I come back. I rest. You know, I'll do a couple of calls, and then you know, it's there's there's time within the day, obviously. To it's it's all about you know. Just scheduling and mapping out your day, and obviously it's it's a little harder right now just because I'm I'm in this place that I would more more accurately describe as like the shallow realm, in which I feel like I'm in the meat grinder of training, and and I'm learning a lot about myself. I'm constantly in and out of the pool, and constantly I feel like I'm constantly eating and constantly hungry, trying to stay hydrated, trying to have this, you know, maintain, you know, maintain good skin, you know, just, just, just trying to be a better person, you know, you know, every day and with a, with, I guess, a, a positive attitude. I have a quick question since uh, you mentioned Kaiser Capital uh, a few times and that's basically, correct me if I'm wrong later, of course, the, the company you uh, co-founded with a few others and it's, you guys primarily focus on, you know, investment and venture capital is a word that's been being thrown around a lot lately, especially here in Suriname, the Caribbean, Latin America, especially, it's very popular in the US. And basically that's how businesses uh, grow big, scale big. So in, in, in your term for the people quickly watching, could you define what venture capital is really short and then what the state is here now that you saw the opportunity to start Kaiser? So, so venture capital in its essence is, is really just identifying opportunistic investment opportunities. And then, and then at the end of the day, uh, after I guess a prolonged period of, I guess, you know, intensive research, executing, uh, upon that investment opportunity with, I guess, a, a substantial amount of capital or whatever that investment needs based on its financial models and its performance. That's basically venture capital in a nutshell, right? What what I've been trying to do is obviously bring that American business 
that, that American venture capital mindset and kind of the, the business ethics of what goes on out there here in Suriname. It's been incredibly, I would say, you know, it, it's been an, a, a great learning experience this past year since I was here, you know, I had my, you know, was planting my feet on the ground. Things, things in the U.S. move very quick, right? It, it's, things are very dependent, things are very set. You can, you can rely on the banks to, you know, transfer your money from point A to point B. You can rely on a currency that is stable. All of those things, you know, I, something I, I do when I, you know, either travel up and down to either the U.S. or I go to, to, to Europe and come back to Suriname, I have to take two steps back, right, in my mind, because things just move at a different pace here. We, we can't necessarily rely on our banks because the rules change literally every week in which now we can only either... Let's not even get into the technicalities of, of the banks at the moment, but they're not very reliable. And then also our currency is is, is constantly fluctuating. So it's obviously you, you know, if we're talking venture capital, we're, we're we're primarily focused in either euros or U.S. dollars primarily, obviously. But being in Suriname, you know, a lot does happen in in, in our currency. Yeah, it's, it's 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 been a lot of give and take within this sphere of, of, of private equity here in Suriname. We've been you know, running some interesting projects, especially in the, in the space of real estate, fintech. Uh, obviously, there, there's cryptocurrencies, which is at its, I would say it's, it's grassroots, especially in Suriname because of the banks. And <laughs> so, so Wait, quick clarification yeah, yeah. on that. So when we're talking about banks and the capital side, does the capital come through the firm and the money come from the bank? Or is it that you have investors that directly have the capital to invest in these projects? Because the culture there is you have a lot of investors with lots of cash and they are able to, you know, pump in money in projects that they see potential in. So which is it? So, so, so to clarify on, on, on what you're actually asking is, is that we've been, because we're a new country, because we're a relatively new company, we've, you know, obviously in, in this past year, we've been having to create a track record of who we are. And that's been working with smaller amounts of capital from investors here. Obviously, it's trusted, trusted people that we know that, you know, we're on the strict NDAs with, not to obviously reveal who they are to to actually to actually to, to show them what venture capital could be and 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 to actually you know solidify you know whatever they've invested and, and their returns giving giving them and you know quarterly reports on how their money has been working for them and what you know potential investment opportunities we have identified and executed on we we have a good board of directors that you know that that, that are of you know, that have that senior insight of having the business here in Suriname and abroad that are giving us, you know, constant guidance on what to do. Because obviously this is other people's money, so you can't really fool around with it. Not at all, actually. You know, every every cent that goes anywhere needs, you know, goes through like three layers of authorization. And obviously, you know, we obviously, we're, we're going to get to that stage in which we're going to be working with our own capital, but at the stage we're at right now, we're working with investor, invest, investors' capital. Debt, it's actually not, not debt, but actually if, if you're seeing working with loans from banks here in Suriname, the 
the, the percentages on loans here in Suriname to actually work with an, on an investment with are way too high. They're, they're anywhere, you know, if you're lucky, you get anywhere between 10 to 15% on, on loan. And they usually only invest those in real estate. So it's, 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 it's been, it's, we haven't been relying on the banks. Let's just say that. I, I know. I kind of, I kind of understand where where this is going, and it's it's also a difference in in financial structure, of course, in a country. But what I'm really interested in, because you now have gotten uh, some experience here with investment, and one of the key questions, I mean, you mentioned Guyana and saying we're sleeping on Guyana, but with the size, the market size that we have, how profitable? Is it for a venture capitalist to actually invest a couple of million dollars in a project in Suriname, and 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 to, me, to maybe make it a little bit more niche? What kind of branches, what kind of sectors would you consider, and would you definitely not consider investing millions of dollars in in Suriname right now? So to, to, actually, to actually somewhat backtrack on, on what you're asking me, so Kaiser Capital, especially with the partners that we've been working with, we are a very data-driven company. We've been using Guyana as our case study for basically the, the ground and grassroots of Kaiser Capital. We've been following very like meticulously everything from you know when they first found out and its development since then and, and actually mapping out and then making a mirror of what is what what we have to expect is going to be happening here uh, not just the, the, the country it, it might seem like it's a small economy right now but once once these oil reserves start to to hit our national banks here and, and, and our central banks and it, it starts going into our sovereign you know our, our sovereign wealth fund and it's being invested back in the country and not only infrastructure but uh, literally everything will, will will somewhat explode i was in i was in guyana in 2018 the last time i, I was I was meaning to go back last year and this year but obviously due to the pandemic and we're pretty familiar with the movie Star Wars, right? It's it's literally when Obi Wan um, travels to the outskirts of space, and you know I was staying at this 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 little hotel, sixty bucks a night, and I'm sitting at the bar having a couple of drinks with with a couple of friends, and you know you're meeting big oil guys from Texas in you know you know a janky hotel. You're you know they're, they're literally roads being made like into the jungle there 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 there's construction everywhere i've i've been to a lot of places they have a very big marriott that's there a hard rock cafe uh, there's 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 so much going on it, it, it's it's very similar to what happened to trinidad and tobago in the 80s right because we're we're used to that small that small economy that that very safe space of operating we we haven't been able to think outside of the box, but literally overnight, those things hit, and you, we, like, what are we gonna do with all of this money? You know, like, and that's what we've been preparing for. We've been trying to stay ahead of the curve, even even though, like, what it's you know, even though a, a ten ten thousand to twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollar investment might not seem large to a a, a big foreign company, but we are creating that track record, and that's 
that is eventually going to set us up for what will eventually happen here and what is happening there. We are a couple of years behind the curve, three to four years, but it will happen. And if, if you know, we're still sleeping on, on what is going to happen here and our staff's only director, we currently have a new one, Mr. Elias, uh, is his name Rudolf Elias? He has been, he's, he's constantly hinting towards this, that we don't know what's, you don't know what is about to happen. You don't know what is about to happen. And if that guy tells me that's like, you better take this guy seriously because he's, he's talking to these guys constantly and he knows what is going to be deposited in our, you know, and what's going to be injected into our, our economy at some point. And we're rich, obviously, in, in minerals and, and gold. And, you know, we have a fantastic climate for agriculture. I love agriculture. So all of these things will, at some point in time, time, time perfectly with obviously the right leadership that we very desperately need, sir, if that answers your question. I want to do one quick follow-up question before Diego asks the next one. And of course, the question I have to ask for people that are watching and people that are interested, what's the minimum buy-in to actually get your, the surfacer from Kaiser Capital? What's the minimum that we as an investor would have to invest in your business to start out? Send us an email at contact at contact at KaiserCapital.com. That's a very, very politically correct answer. But, but I will, we'll repeat that one at the end so that people get the opportunity to write that down or know that down. But go ahead, Diego. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly what I was going for too. Because, yeah, because generally outside in, in the US, we're talking billions and people are ready to go one, two, three. And you say, you already said it here, you're at a stage now for building a track record of making these opportunities. So. Do you see this being a, I guess, stepping stone for smaller investors? Do, do you think this will be able to give a paradigm shift in the way people invest here? And then we're, I'm not looking at the, the people with the millions now, because that, that's an old generation, but the new and up and coming people that, you know, kind of lack access to the network in the US or the network in Europe. Is, is that also an opportunity for them through Kaiser? Absolutely. Uh, we are trying to democratize what it means to be, to, to invest in, in anything that you want, right? At some point, we want to, obviously, if, if we have the, 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 I guess, the inner workings of the, the banks here in Suriname, we would like to be a platform for Suriname's people to also invest in, in, in in the U.S. stock market, or or in the European stock market, or in or having access to you know obviously you know cryptocurrencies if you want to do that through us or by yourself, uh, absolutely yes yes Diego if that answer sure it's it's we're gonna get there obviously if, if you're a new company people will be hesitant uh, on, on you know who you know who are you, you know, yeah because there have been like companies in the past and actually companies still currently I think trying who've been trying to you know get a, a, an exchange sorted out here but then comes a lot of regulations and laws and policies and all that you know stifles the, the pro progress in this so from from the way you've been explaining things you, you guys are preparing for all of this uh, already meticulously and none of those companies have have me right as, as a psychopath that will literally not accept no for an answer and my team members are you know they're they're sharks. We, you know, we want it all, and we, you know, 
obviously it, it, it might seem that we're a bit ambitious, but it's it's just very much just the our, our a positive attitude moving forward. And yeah, she said psychopath that resilience comes from swimming and pushing through everything. So that that education helps. You know what it? Yeah. So I, I think we can we should wind down a, a bit now since we we have a bunch of questions in the chat. So I, I want to do this uh, real rapid fire quick. So just you know, first thing that comes to mind, I'll, I'll go through the questions in the chat. I actually we'll... haven't been looking at any. I'm only now seeing like a list. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pop them up for you and then we'll just uh, quickly go through it and then we'll close up with, uh, with a final question. So yeah, from the previous part of the conversation, Tevin agrees. He's been following the Guyana news every day. So he's been seeing the things you've been talking about. And yeah, Tevin is uh, an illustrator. So who knows, maybe you'll see yourself NFT in one of his illustrations shortly. That's right. Giano joined in a bit late and a quick question from Giano with regards to Simon, have you taken step in terms of mental uh, coaching to increase your performance? Do the schools you train at provide that? I've, I've actually been doing a lot of the, I would say the mental prep of sites um, of, of the, I guess the, the sport in swimming, if we're talking about that specific myself, my, I'm actually coached <laughs> by someone named Brad Hawk, wildly successful swimmer back in his day, Australian Olympian, uh, has coached the Brazilians uh, to Olympic gold. Caesar Cielo is currently coaching me. And, and I guess he's, he has a degree in psychology, right? So he, he, you know, he, he prepares us as well as possible for, for those lights and that day. And that that moment, and that's I, even though I, I do take a lot of you know a lot of that I, I do a lot of that myself. I, I do let you know just the professional do his job, and then I you know I, I just go with the flow. Yeah, uh, professional consultation is always helpful because sometimes you cannot see. Yeah. So a uh, next question from Tevin is: Is it possible for Renzo that you can build a scouting bridge for upcoming talent from Sioux to the U.S.? Is that anything you've considered? It's nothing that I've considered as of as of right now, just because my hands are a, a bit full, especially with, with the swimming and advisor capital and private equity and all of these things happening at the same time. But that is definitely something I would consider in the future. I you know there, there's so much talent here, but it's you know, it's not that I don't want to do it. Uh, it's just it takes one thing at a time. Being responsible and spearheading an operation like that. Being in charge of people's lives, it's, it's, it could be a quite daunting task. And I think I would do something like that if I, if I had a bit more time. time yeah. It's, it's actually interesting. I want to follow up on this because you're actually training here for a very long time, uh, since a very long time. So my question, maybe COVID kind of helped push it away, but you being in Suriname, how much does that mean that all these people are coming to you like, hey, Renzo, you're in Suriname. I want to do business with you. I want to do this. I want to do that. Do you feel like being here on one side, maybe it does provide more opportunities, but also can be like a hinder towards your training schedule that when you're in Suriname, a lot of people, of course, want something from Renzo because Renzo is in Suriname. Well, I actually move like Batman. You actually don't really see me moving in Suriname. But I have pretty, pretty, pretty standard training periods in, in, in which I, I go to practice. But Suriname, I'm not like with Biggie Boy. It's different. I feel like because just he's, you know, he's a guy that is from, you know, 
like hardcore dance project. Like this guy is, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't really feel like I've ever gone, you know, cloud like that in which people run up to me or anything, you know, obviously like, you know, people come up to me sometimes, it's, you know, very brief conversations. And I think it's, it may, maybe it's just, it's just my, my personality is just very, uh, how would I say it? It's, it's, it's had a lot of ups me being here in Suriname, but it, it hasn't been a hinder that, that people, you know, would, you know, would come up to me or that, that has been a, you know, a, you know, a, a negative on my training as such or preparation. Just, I mean, I'm at, I'm at Padima every morning and there's basically no one there but me and my coach. <laughs> uh, so it's. <laughs> How was the swimming today? Now I have to ask that question. How was the swimming today and getting to Paramaribo, up <laughs> to, pa, to, to, uh, to the oh, swimming pool this morning? <laughs> you know, like, we need to work on our infrastructure. Like, this is crazy. I'm, I'm sure like all the car mechanics are having a great time at the moment because cars must be breaking down, right? So it's, it's, it's like, thank, like, thankfully I drive an SUV and I, I, I get to just roll up to practice, but not without its challenges, right? It's, <laughs> the, the, the city was underwater today. So. Today was today was crazy. Uh, Diego, I think Dimitri just jumped in with a, with a, a question as well, but there are also some older questions. Yeah, I'll do one more and then you can take over, then we'll go to the final question. So quickly from Anil, real short, what's the future of swimming, and especially with the COVID situation now? Is it going to change? Is it going to normalize again? What, what do you there, there, there are a couple of, there are a couple of like interesting things happening with, within the sport of swimming. There is this Ukrainian billionaire that has starting it, has started its own swimming league. And it's very much, you know, he's, there's, there's a, there's a crazy article out, the plot to kill the Olympics that I think you all should read. And, and basically he's asked, he's always asking himself, like, why are swimmers poor? And swimming at the Olympics is the most watched sport. And the Olympic games this year and in 2016 has racked in anywhere close to five to $6 billion. And athletes don't see a cent um, of, of actually, you know, the revenues in, in, in all of these things. And I see just, just with, with this Ukrainian billionaire, just doing a bunch of crazy things with him swimming and, and, and investing heavily in something called the International Swimming League, in which I'll hopefully be part of in, I think it's September or October for one of the teams. I think the future is bright for swimming. Swimming is the greatest sport. It actually makes your brain bigger. So. But also, I think for people that don't know a lot about swimming, I mean, it's not just swimming, but you also do the most important swimming event, like the the fifty meters freestyle is kind of like it's the same like a hundred meters sprint. <laughs> but but to a serious note, because we have some fellow swimmers uh, joining in, and Dimitri wants to know: Can you expand a bit on who Cesar Cielo and Bruno Fratis are? and how their guidance has impacted you? And also, would you be able to reach this, the, these heights in Suriname? These heights in Suriname, that's a very, a very good last three couple of words. Uh, so, so Cesar Cielo is the Olympic champion from Brazil in 2008 in the 50 freestyle, coached by Brett Hall. Bruno Frades is the most consistent, fastest 50 freestyler in history, another Brazilian. 
also coached by Brett Hall. I've had the privilege of being able to train with Bruno since 2014. And then we had a quick hiatus. I went to school. And then I was preparing for him the Olymp for the Olympics in 28, uh, 2019 to 2020 and then COVID. Uh, now I'm here. And Bruno has been in every Olympic final since 2016, constantly missing a medal. He's the silver silver medal. Uh, he's, he's won a bunch of world championship medals in 50 freestyle. Caesar Ciro is actually the current world record holder in the 50 freestyle. So very, what would I say? It, it, it's a very distinguished company of, of gentlemen, I would say, these, these, these two. It's like Rafael Nadal. And, Novak Djokovic of swimming within the 50 freestyle, wildly successful. And do I believe that I can reach these heights for certain all? These guys have told me that I can reach these heights. So who am I not to believe them, right? Do I believe I can do that within certain all? No, not within certain all, just because we just don't have that, that infrastructure of, and that mindset of, of really wanting to invest in, in a gold medal. Um, and, and a gold medal is, is made over a, a couple of years. But I do believe that with, with the proper guidance outside of Suriname, serving in the US or in the Netherlands, I will, I will get to that point. And that's where I'm giving myself a lot of time. Uh, obviously, like all, with all of these guys, everything is built around them, right? The only thing these, a guy like Bruno does, he wakes up in the morning and he, he swims, right? The Brazilian Olympic Committee takes care of most of it. His training expenses, traveling. He only, he sends out a, a quick text and the tickets get booked and, and he's and he's off. I literally don't have those privileges. I have to do everything myself. I don't have a physiotherapist that's specifically assigned, assigned to me. When I go to meet, sometimes I'm by myself, oftentimes, or I'm with just a coach. Um, I'm, I'm missing a lot of small technical details to get to I would say that next level. That's, that's why I'm giving myself up until 2028 to, 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 to properly do this. And I, I believe that I could definitely be in the Olympic final. And once you're in the, in the final, you're competing for a medal. And if that answers your question, yes, I believe I could, I could get Awesome. Playing the long game and slowly compounding every experience over time. So I guess my final question, since we've been talking about investing and compounding, so not financial advice from people, just personal opinion. People who watch this show know that uh, Sean Luke and I are pretty bullish on crypto, blockchain, NFTs, the like. So what is your stance on the current state of the crypto world now? Elon Musk should stop tweeting. <laughs> I think that's, that's Fair enough. To say. I literally don't want to. Literally don't want to pretend like I'm a crypto expert or anything like that. But he should stick to designing his little Teslas and focus uh, on that because every time that guy tweets, it takes it, it dips, right? Uh, so yeah. I think. I mean, I, I think it's. I think it's. I think whoever gets into it, don't put all of your uh, your eggs in one basket. I think that's the, the most important advice I would, I would, I would give anyone um, with, with investing in general. Do not put all of your, your, your finances in cryptocurrencies or don't put everything in, in NFTs or don't put anything in stocks. Spread yourself out, create a, a very sound portfolio. I, I like, I just, just, just because of my, 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 my mom's side of business and the upbringing I've, I've had. I love real estate. 
real estate in Suriname, the, the market, it's, I would say it's a little sick just because people are just, just doing crazy things for these prices per square meters or, you know, janky ass houses going for $400,000 or euros. But I, I think there should be, you know, you know, an executive committee installed that actually regulates what you do within, you know, the real estate space, especially in Suriname, just, just that we have, we, we keep having a, a healthy environment to invest in instead of a sick environment. But don't put your eggs in one basket, spread, your, spread yourself out a little bit and just give yourself time to keep educating yourself on these things. Uh, there, are, there are a bunch of interesting opportunities popping up everywhere if you, if you know where to look. Yeah, Shandu, so so we want to know new, we want to know now of course if people are interested I mean if people want to know about your swimming career it's quite simple go to Renzo Chonayu follow you on Instagram or on Facebook but for people who are interested in, in venture capital and investing how can they reach out to you? You can either email me at chonayu at kaisercapital.com or info at kaisercapital.com and then we'll see it you know we'll, we'll get back to you uh, I guess as, as soon as we could you know we have you know we have a diligent team that does a lot of analyzing of investment opportunities here in Suriname, but we're willing to work with, 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 with basically everyone that makes sense for us to work with, right? But everyone does have, you know, could 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 send us their their business plan or anything like that. We we rewrite a lot of business plan to make it translatable for an American or European businessman to actually read it. You know, it's something that. You know, usually an investor usually looks at is, is a financial model and the performance and, and just very just the technical stuff that goes into that. And we, we we dive into that. We rewrite a lot of that stuff for people here. Obviously, yes, as 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 a as a basically a consulting branch of of Kaiser Capital. But there, you know, info at kaisercapital.com or show you at kaisercapital.com. Or send us a message on Facebook. Yeah. So to close this off, thank you again, Renzo, and your you know very tight schedule for having this conversation with us. And we yeah, hope that the people tuning in have learned, have seen another side of Renzo that is not just a swimmer. He's been busy with a lot of things, and especially in, in the development space, investing space as well. So he is not just a swimmer, although that is still one of his big goals to compete and. Uh, win in the Olympics 2024, 2028. Look forward to that. And with that being said, thank you everyone for tuning in live here on Social Convos. We will release this episode on the audio platforms and the websites on Saturdays. So if you've missed it, if you had friends who missed it, you can listen to that. You know, when it's raining outside or you're driving through this, through work or something, tune it in in the background. And yeah, share with your friends. Let us know what you think, what topics we'd like us to cover. Thanks again. Shanluk, roll us out. Thank you for having us. So, Renzo, it was really awesome. We want to wish you the best of luck with the upcoming Olympics in Tokyo as well. We will be cheering for for you, whether it's COVID-free in a bar or at home. We will cheer for you. We really want to thank you. And we'll close off with a, a, com a comment from Dimitri Loviro's success. Guys and girls, thank you for watching again. This was Social Confos. And uh, have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.